0: Welcome everybody to the skill development playbook podcast I am your host coach TJ season six episode number 14 we have a special guest with us today. Uh, we have coach Brianna Finch player development coach with the uh, Davidson women's basketball program coach I appreciate you taking some time out of your business schedule to join us today. Um, before we jump right in and start talking about some skill development will you please let everybody know a little bit about your coaching and your and your playing journey
1: yeah of course well first of all thank you for having me i'm i'm excited and anytime i can talk basketball i'm i'm definitely ready to do that and spend a lot of time so um my journey it's i've been coaching at the collegiate or professional level for 18 years this is my 18th year um coached at every level except high school. Um, so I started as a JUCO assistant, worked my way up, um, was a division one assistant. After about 12 years of being a college assistant, I kind of got the itch to wanna be a head coach. So I had the opportunity to go over to Denmark actually and coach in the women's professional league in Denmark, uh, which was amazing, probably best decision I've ever made professionally and personally just living in another culture um and I spent a season there we did really well we went 20 and 10 lost in the semifinals to the eventual champion but just made me a better coach um hands down um you know I had to learn a lot on the fly and coach you know I was constantly coaching I coached three teams in addition to the pro team and um so that was just a great experience then I came back and was a division two head coach for two years in New Mexico um, before moving out to Florida for four years, I was in Florida for three years as an assistant at D2. And then my, the year before I came here, I was at uh, Florida international as a division one assistant and then, um, had the opportunity to come join the staff at Davidson, which I'm really excited about. I've known the head coach and the assistants for a couple years now. And I just really, align with their philosophies and how they do things. And uh, they're just really good people. And when you find good people in this business, you try to join on if you can. So I had the opportunity and been here three months and just had to hit the ground running.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's that's a nice story. I I appreciate you sharing a little bit about, uh, about your journey. And I'm intrigued about this conversation today because you've coached on different levels, the junior college level, division two level, which I was telling you before we got started, that's the level that I was uh, fortunate enough to play on actually junior college and division two, the division one level and also at the professional level. Um, So it's gonna be interesting to hear your take on skill development uh, and even talking about the mindset of these players. Cause I think that's something that's really important for any parent or kid that may be listening. I was actually sharing this with some players I work with is Taking, taking control of your mindset, your your ownership of your skill development. So uh, i really looking forward to hearing what you got to say uh, about that today. So my first question that I have for you.
1: All right. <laughs> All right,
0: so in your own words, what is skill development and how important is it to the game of basketball?
1: You know, I, in my, in, my own words, I think skill development really is just about helping players improve, not only, I think we get caught up a little bit on the technical part of skill development and don't always incorporate the tactical and psychological, as you were just kind of touching on a little bit, like all aspects of the game is skill development. Um, you know, and so my, my approach and my, you know, kind of how I think about it is how do I incorporate all of those things to help the player be most successful in a game? You know, I, again, it's not about making that player successful in the drills that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's about how am I going to help them be successful in the game? Hopefully the drills or the work that we're doing is going to help them. Um, and that's where I structure it from and that's where I, you know, begin the process of planning, you know, a skill development session or a skill development, you know, plan. But I think, you know, just really thinking it as, you know, more holistically um, is how I tend to think about skill development. Um, more so now, I think that's come over a lot of years of coaching and... Um, and and like you said, just different levels and different environments, and learning about along the way what's going to most benefit the player and help them be most successful in a game
0: situation. Yeah, when you said the the technical, the you know tactical into the 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 mindset, um, right. It's just very very important. You see a lot of players and and even some trainers they're so into the, the technical part the. The, the drill, they're really concerned about the drill. And I've always told people that the drill is the easy part. There are so many resources to get drills, right? Mm-hmm. I think every coach has a mentor or a friend or someone close to them that's in the coaching community. They can email, call, text, say, hey, do you have a drill for this situation? Uh, or they can subscribe to certain websites or they can go to YouTube and find mm-hmm. these drills, right? Um, So I always felt like the drill is just the vehicle to try to help you get the player from point A to point B. Um, But to be able to relate that skill, whatever that skill is that that you're working with them on, to be able to relate that to how they could perform that in the game, uh, understanding why they want to perform it a certain way, how to perform it and when to perform it, that's really big. And I think if you do all that uh, the mental part of it will be a little bit easier because now you're getting into a player's confidence. They understand how to overcome adversity and stuff like that. And, and we could spend a whole podcast episode just talking about that part right there. Definitely. Um, so let's get into your philosophy when it comes to skill development. There are those that are real innovative. They like props and, and doing certain things. And then there are those that I consider myself like an old school coach, you know, give me a ball, give me a hoop. We can get something done. Um, but what's your philosophy? What are your thoughts on when it comes to putting together your, your sessions with your players or even for the team? What are some of your thoughts on that?
1: So I I'm a little bit old school as well. I don't really do props or cones or anything like that. You know, I, if possible um you know i like to have multiple players in a skill development because i you know i approach skill development with the decision making being usually foremost um just because i think that's the most significant part of the game on both ends of the court actually you know offensively and defensively there's all there's it's constantly decision making so and that's hard to do with just a one you know a single individual um, you know, there's ways you can kind of, you know, kind of develop some it, yeah. aspects, but it's not, you know, it's obviously not the same. Um, so anytime there's an opportunity for a one-on-one or a two-on-two, you know, to have multiple players, I think that's where my philosophy begins. Um, and then from there, you know, like I said, it's, it's I think you mentioned it, one, it's building confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from when I first started, I think One of the things that I do well is build confidence in players, um, you know, I can, I can help them get a little bit better at this or a little bit better at that, or their footwork a little bit better, but it's getting them to believe in that they are capable of doing certain things. It's, you know, getting them to be able to recognize and make the adjustments on their own. Um, you know, that's ultimately my job as a, as a coach and a player development person is to help them understand their strengths and weaknesses. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, and so that's kind of, you know, like I said, that's kind of the, all of those are kind of the foundation of where I start. Um, and then with actual, you know, sessions or workouts, um, I try to maintain or create the drills or create the, uh, you know, situations to reflect that. So whether we're doing you know a one-on-one trying to play off the catch you know and attacking the rim, we're working on different moves you know trying to embrace the creativity and encourage creativity and different finishes around the rim you know and um, or we're playing two-on-two and now we're adding you know maybe ball screens or you know dribble handoffs or something where they have to you know have some kind of action and then play off that action if there's a decision where's the de- help defender where's my defender. Um, but I think that's, you know, kind of where I where I start and where I start to go with the workouts, because that's what's ultimately going to help them be most successful in the game, which as I said at the beginning is my main goal.
0: <laughs> right. And you said a couple of things that I know that we're gonna that we're gonna get into, but I just want to hit on real quick when you talk about a player's confidence and for a player to kind of buy into what you're to what you're telling them. I feel it's really important for them to have a great relationship with their coach. And in order for a coach to have a a, a player and a coach have a great relationship, there has to be some level of trust, right? So if that player has a hard time trusting you, then they're gonna have a hard time buying into what you're telling them. And if they have a hard time buying in, there's no trust, not a good relationship, you're gonna have a tough time as a coach developing the player. Um, and then for them to be able to make adjustments on their own, I think that goes a lot into uh, uh, watching film, which is something that we'll talk about how you can use film to help players when it comes to uh, come to development. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the relationships. I think this is a, this would be a good segue into that. Uh, I'm I'm real big on relationships. Just you know, again, we could spend a whole hour talking about relationships. Uh, with players (laughs) Uh, about real big in relationship. How important do you think it is or how important do you think it is for a coach to establish a really good relationship from an individual standpoint? We're talking about development. We know how important it is for the team to win, but on a development level, how important is it for you to get to know your players, um, build some trust so that can create some buy-in so you can help them develop?
1: Oh, I mean, it's absolutely essential. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, one players have to know that you care about them, mm-hmm. um, that you that you listen to them when you know, and that you care about them and that you ultimately want to help them reach their goals. It's not about you know. M- making them better so that i can say i made this player better or you know or something like that or so you can promote them on social media (laughs) you know like you know it's not it's not and you know is it are you going to probably are they going to probably but you know inherently they need to know that you you have their best interest to again help them be successful in whatever their goals are whether that's a game whether it's you know, for us, you know, at the collegiate level, at the division one level, like we have several players that want to go play professionally overseas. Um, so, you know, like when we're developing players, that's what we're thinking about. Like, how are we going to one, help them make us better as a team, how are we going to help them make themselves better individually to eventually help them, you know, be successful and get a good contract playing overseas somewhere? Um, and so, you know, I think building that trust is just, like I said, it's absolutely essential and you have to really, I ask a lot of questions of players. So, you know, I, I'll ask them before a workout, before I plan a workout. I'm like, what do you want to work on? You know, what, you know, what, what do you feel like you're struggling with? I mean, just asking them that question alone gives you everything you need as a, as a coach, as a player development, you know, and uh, you know, and then really listening to what they're saying, because I think you can also learn a lot. Like, it's funny, I will, I will tell a little bit of a story. So like, I, there was a player I was working with um, at a division two, when I was at division, at a division at division two school. And, uh, you know, I had an idea of what I thought she needed to work at and w- work on and where she was at kind of mentally and stuff like that. And she was fine. I, you know, I thought she was in a good place. This is what I thought and so I had my workout planned and you know whatever and I asked her I'm like what do you think you need to work on and it was like night and day different than what I thought Uh, yeah and you know and just hearing like it was it'll tell you where they're lacking confidence you know if she's saying I want to work on you know my shots off in transition you know whatever like clearly there's probably something she's lacking confidence in and that and you know and if i didn't have that incorporated like again it goes back to my goal is to help them be most successful in a game and if they're lacking confidence they're not going to be successful and so we need to work on the things that are going to help them be confident which will ultimately help them be successful um and and as a coach you have to be willing to be flexible and adaptable so you know we changed the workout we worked on what she wanted to work on Um, And so I just, and, and so that right there, like me asking and listening and her knowing that I listened and made the adjustment shows that I care, shows that I'm listening. And then you start to build that trust. And then, you know, as you keep moving forward, I think it becomes a really strong relationship and you're really able to then push them a little bit outside of their comfort zone, which is ultimately what you want, Um, you know, and then help them, be become more aware of, you know what, what they're doing in different situations. How they can adapt on their own. How can they make adjustments on their own? Um, and then, if again you've done all that, then I think you're in a pretty good, pretty good spot uh, to be, you know, successful for them going forward.
0: Yeah, with me, I know it's a little bit different because I'm, I'm a for hire, coach. Right. Um, so. I don't get to spend as much time with the players as, as you will um, with, with the players on your team. So I have to look at things just a little bit different, um, but the, re- the relationship part is really important. And I, and I tell players for the first time that I meet them, look, I know you just met me, but I need you to trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really hard, especially when you're working with uh, 12, 13 year old kids that's used to doing something a certain way. Yeah. Um, but I have to pay attention to things like how they interact with their parents, um, how their parents communicate with them. Um, their personality tells a lot about them on how they can be coached. So yeah, can I coach them real hard and, and push them and really ride them to get them to kick it up a notch? Or do I have to quote, put my arm around them and encourage them um, but ultimately, whether I do it the way that, that I'm doing it or, you know, you're the type of coach that's with them all the time, that relationship is just really, really important. Like like you say, it really, I think Kevin Eastman said this, um, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. So they have to really know that you're doing it for the right reasons, which is what you mentioned, and not to put them on the gram or on Snapchat mm-hmm. or <laughs> You know, and I know, and I get that and I understand and that's cool. Um, But if you're doing it for the wrong reason or have a a hidden agenda, it's gonna get exposed. So, um, but just asking a lot of questions, I think it's really important for for the players to have some type of input. So that leads me to another question. Um, And this is something I've been asking a lot of coaches. When we're talking about improving an individual player's skill versus their role on the team. So you have a player that's on your team that their role is to play defense, uh, spot up and shoot. So they're not great at off the dribble. You don't want them trying to break anybody down off the dribble, but that's something they're wanting to add to their game. So how do you balance working on enhancing what they do for the team and also at the same time, adding other skills that can complement their role on the team. So, how do you kind of balance that with, with the players that you work with?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think first of all, you know, if they're if they have a role and that's their niche, like they need to be great at that niche. Especially right. like you know at the collegiate level, like like you know what we're doing. But even you know players that you're working with at the high school level, if they're you know trying to get their playing time, they're going to have a role mm-hmm. and. But like whatever you're good at, whatever your role is, you need to continue to be great at. You need to not, or players need to not let that suffer at the expense of working on other things and then getting passed by somebody who now has become greater at that because now you're not playing at all. Uh, Now you have no niche. So be great at what you're good at. (laughs) That's my, that's my first uh, thought on that. Uh, but at the same time, yes, we need to continue to work on other aspects of the game. And I think that goes back to like, for me personally, my thought, like, I want to encourage creativity. You know, mm-hmm. I want players to be multifaceted. I want them to be creative. Um, you know, especially in the offensive end with, you know, as a playmaker and things like that. So anytime we can work on other things that are going to help them be more adaptable, be mo- be more creative um, have a, you know, another go to a counter. That's what we want to do. So I think that's kind of where I approach it. You know, like I said, be great at what you're good at. And Mm. then once you are great, like if your role is a catch and shoot, you know, spot up like, okay, well now teams are going to start flying at you. Mm. Like they're going to run at you. They're going to try to run you off the line. So what's going to be our counter to that. And then now we work on the counter. Um, and that's how you incorporate the other skills and things like that. So, um, that's, you know, that the same thing in a low, in the post, you know, like if you have, you know, your one primary post move, okay, well, once you do that, like if you're all just drop step trying to overpower people, well, what are you going to do when you face somebody who's the same size and strength, what's going to be your counter. And then we take it from there as far as developing more, more skills and a greater skill set.
0: So I, I hope that everybody that's listening is kind of piecing this together. <laughs> <laughs> I hope because, so. You know, sometimes, sometimes when, we, when we're having conversations and we're talking about things, um, or if we're listening to people have a conversation, we sometimes miss out on how all this works together. So, you know, if we go back to the beginning, you said that you, you like working with players in small groups. Because um, there are some one on one things that you can do. So, you know, if we think about putting players in a small group and you have a great relation with, relationship with them, they trust you, they buy in, now you can help them develop. So, you're trying to make these two or three players great at what they're good at. Then, when you see that they are great, you wanna add something to that that's gonna complement the skill set that they have and is also going to enhance their ability or their role on their team. And it's easy, it is, it's tough to do that in a one-on-one setting. But in a group setting, you now can add that defender and say, okay, hey, you know, when you catch the ball and you get ready to make that drop step, if they're there, what what do you have? What are you going to do? And that's very difficult to do if they're doing it against the air or there's no defender or cones or whatever. Um, so I hope that everybody that's listening is kind of piecing this all together. It's like a puzzle. <laughs> right. It's a puzzle, but um, everything, you know, is, 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 is all coming together. Um, one thing I do want to go back on what you said just a couple of minutes ago. Um, I feel like there are some players that are just going to get better. It doesn't matter. And, and I'm trying to be careful when I say this there are going to be some players that's that's going to develop and be really good. It doesn't matter who they work with. Sure. And, and what I mean by that is, of course, if a player is a very talented player and they work with someone that knows what they're doing, they're going to, they're going to succeed. They're going to get better. Um, but it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't take a real special coach to develop a LeBron James and I say that I say it with caution I
1: agree completely
0: <laughs> I say that with caution because uh there are some people that think that yes they're the reason for this particular player developing but at the end of the day they're a special talent they were going to develop anyway I just wanted to say that I know I know that was something you said a, a little bit ago but I wanted to kind of throw that out there
1: yeah uh, no I agree I I like I said I think well it kind of goes back to you know I I I do I'm, you know, I do think I develop players well and I'm confident in what I, you know, do and how I approach, you know, player development and the, you know, the competitive, the small sided games kind of decision making component. But I'm also very realistic. I my my biggest impact that is I make them more confident. you know like somebody asked me like what are you what do you do that is said like i i just help them i just build their confidence like you know and that in and of itself makes them a great you know has just right there improves them like there's nothing there's no trick
0: it's (laughs) not really i
1: just i just believe in them and i and i help them see what they're good at and help them become better at that but mostly just help them see it and you know, there was a player I coached when, when I first got to Division One, and I don't post play. I don't know how much I developed her skill set, but her role significantly improved because I made her believe that the tools she already had were good. We're good enough to find a role on our team that was going to help us be successful, and it did. Um, and then, you know, continue to just build on that.
0: Yeah, I, I've had players come to me. Um, usually, typically, 99% of the time, parents tell me they can't do this or they struggle with this, they struggle with that. But ultimately, 99% of those parents say they need more confidence. Yeah. And so, you know, and there's a number of different ways. There's a there's a process to do that. Um, but then I would have those players start a season and they don't come as much. And they're like, oh, I'm struggling with my shot." And within, like, five minutes, you know, of, of us getting back together, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with your shot. Like, yeah. you usually kind of a, as a crutch. But, you know, hey, <laughs> I appreciate that. But there's nothing wrong with your shot. You just you lost a little bit of confidence, mm-hmm. and I I instilled that back in you. But it's nothing magical. There There's no uh, magic drill or anything like that. Um, but that goes back to that trust that that we were talking about and that buy-in. Right. So you mentioned some small-sided games just a a moment ago, and I know you mentioned that at the beginning, so let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I know this is a podcast, so it's going to be difficult to really get very specific on the uh, type of drills that you like to do, but um, small-sided games and decision-making, how do you like to incorporate that into your skill development,
1: in any way possible.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and I've I've actually spoken on this and multiple times. If if anybody follows me on Twitter who listens, like you'll see a lot of that. Um, and it's 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 very it become very much more, um, I guess, a part of the game as well, um, especially over the last couple of years. And um, you know, I just like I said, I one-on-one is great um especially for player development purposes
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um you know because it incorporates actual you know basketball you know skills like you you know you're trying to create some kind of advantage and you don't have an action to create that advantage other than just your skill set um you know speed or strength or footwork or whatnot so um you know I think that's a great way to approach it from just the straight player development plus defensively it helps too like I said it's not just offensive decision making it's defensive decision making you know how how far should I get you know to this player how much space do I need to give her in order to keep her in front if she's a dry you know kind Mm -hmm. of thing and so um you know I think from there you know if we have the opportunity to have two on two or three on three in a in a player development session then that allows us the freedom to really start to incorporate the actions part so like i said whether it's a ball screen or a dribble handoff or an off ball screen um you know now we can start making or you know reads off of the screening action um, and incorporate the decision making so now how is my defender going to guard this okay when i come off here how's you know, how is the help side rotating? Are they helping really early? Are they staying out? You know, just different, everything that you're gonna see in a game, you can now incorporate into a, you know, smaller segment with fewer players. And maybe as, you know, maybe you change the space constraints as well, if you want. Um, But everything else is the same, you know, as a game, but now you're getting multiple contact so every player is getting more repetitions offensively and defensively um there's more shots that are happening um you know and it's just it's a, it's the best way to replicate what's going to happen in the games the shots that they're going to get you know everybody says game shots at game spots and game speed yeah. well you can't replicate that unless you're in a game yeah. and if you you know you and in a five-on-five practice like a player maybe gets you know, in a 10 minute segment, maybe two or two shots, three shots, maybe. Um the best player. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, in a two on two, you know, for eight minutes, you know, we're gonna get a lot more shots.
0: Yeah.
1: Than that. But we're also going to be, it's going to be competitive and it's going to be more like a game. Um and so I think that's where I incorporate the small sided games aspect. And then from there, you know, I just kind of try to, depending on what they need to work on or what they're struggling with, we kind of, you know, maybe we change the constraints on it. You know, we have to play faster. So we have to make decisions faster off the catch, or, you know, maybe we eliminate, or we uh, limit the dribbles or eliminate the dribbles, you know, three on three, no dribble. So, you know, again, and then those are just kind of, you know, you take the small sided game and then it kind of becomes more of a constraint-based game, but just kind of all of those things to help players, again, just help players become more aware of what they can and what they can do and what they struggle with and where we need to go to keep moving forward.
0: And I think something that's really important with any coach that's listening, um, coach here, coaches at the Division One level. So she has some some really skilled players. If you are coaching a 10 U, 12 U, 14 U team, <laughs> your constraints or your small side of games should match their skill level. I think one thing that I see a lot in skill development is um, a lot of younger, like Players or coaches working with younger players that see something at the division one level or they'll see something at the NBA level and they'll try to emulate that with the small with with younger, less skilled players and they have to understand that there's a process to get to that. So if um, if your team is catching it and dribble, dribble, dribble as soon as they get it. okay, yeah, we're going to load in. Well, you know, I don't want you all to dribble, or you only have so many dribbles. Um, so if I got a younger team, if they're 12, I may tell them each player can only have two dribbles. Or if you don't look at the basket, it's a turnover. So it's really important, in whatever small side of games that you decide to do or constraints you load in, make sure it goes with the the skill level of the players that you're coaching. Um, you know, we don't want to try to skip steps here um when when doing that.
1: Absolutely. And and you know, I have I haven't, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't, I've done clinics and camps and stuff with younger, but I agree. Like, you know, and you, you can very much change, you know, the, the, the constraints or the Mm -hmm. side, you know, maybe you make the, their parameters a little bit smaller, you know, you're still playing two on two or three on three. You don't need to add in any constraints if you don't feel like their skill set is able to adapt and be successful in those constraints, but maybe you just make, their, the court a little bit smaller, you know, the area that they can play in a little bit smaller. So now it's a little bit more crowded, a little bit more chaotic, they have to think a little bit quicker, but you haven't really changed anything as far as the actual skills of the game, you Mm -hmm. know, the, the dribbles or things like that. And you know, and you don't need to incorporate, you know, for us, we can incorporate actions, dribble handoffs, ball screens, blah, blah, blah. You know, at that, you know, at a youth level, you're probably, you know, depending on what age, obviously you don't necessarily need to incorporate those things, but you can still have the small sided game working on, you know, different aspects. But again, going back to getting motion and movement and decision-making that's going to happen in a game as realistic as possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, great points, great points there. So, I just got a couple more questions for you. Of course. Um, so, you're in season right now. Um, I feel like when it, skill, <laughs> when it comes to skill development, we got, of course, in season, we got preseason, in season. And most times, majority of people think of skill development in the off season, right? Um, so, What's your approach um, when it comes to skill development? Like right now in season, what's your approach with skill development uh, with the players? How often do you like to try to meet with them or is it, it, you know, we're we're just doing it 15, 20 minutes here and there. How do you kind of approach your skill development uh, during the season?
1: So I'll kind of start like where we are here and then kind of also just my approach in general um you know i think it's it's ongoing for sure um i think once we're in season again a lot of the skill development piece is them is building confidence and continuing to keep their confidence high um so they just need to sometimes see the ball go through the basket (laughs) you know that that in and of itself is the skill development is Mm -hmm. you know just seeing the ball go through the basket we can be obviously with the resources we have be more specific with um and more intentional with our small like you know the 15 minutes of skill development maybe that we can do you know once or twice a week that we incorporate to practice or maybe pre-practice um, you know, with players, because we can use film so we can go back and really be specific with film. Like, you know, with our point guard, like this is what she specifically needs to work on this one skill, you know, this one thing that, you know, is just, she's struggling with, we need to kind of help get her back to this, you know, let's w- have her watch some film. And then we'll spend 15 minutes pre-practice working on that with her and it's just, it's a, it's a much more detailed, I think much more specific when we're in season, Mm -hmm. um, as far as just straight skill and player development. Um, you know, I will go back to, you know, when I was coaching, you know, in Denmark and things like that, like it was incorporated into every practice. Like I, I just, I think, you know, 15 minutes a day, um, you know, or almost every day, um, is, really important, Um, whether it's, you know, just position work, like usually I would do it as position work. So we do 15 minutes at some point in practice, posts, guards, separate, you know, working on whatever we felt they each needed to work on. Um, And again, it's still just creating good habits and building good habits and then just building confidence. Um, But then, you know, it has some application to you know, maybe the last game or the next game or things like that. You know, depending on what teams are going to do when you're in season. But um, I just think that continually, you know, re- reinforcing that is is so valuable um, when we're in season. And so for us, that's kind of what it looks like um, right now. Obviously, it COVID is craziness. So <laughs> you know, we we uh, you know we have to be adapt and be flexible with our time and players and stuff like that but we do try to um we we do at least one day a week um just that like we don't practice that day that day is just skill development um so we actually you know we we have that day just you know it was yesterday for us so it was you know players whether it was one player or two players depending on their class schedule and stuff Um, but we would do an individual session working on what we think they need to work on and what they feel they need to work on. Um, And then within regular practices, we usually spend 10 to 15 minutes at some point, um, just doing some kind of position work too.
0: Um, You mentioned film. So I wanna get into this, this will be my my last topic for you. Um, But let's talk about film and how you use film Uh, for develop. Now, um, a lot of different coaches have said different things. Um, Some coaches like to keep things really short, a couple of clips, five, 10 minutes, um, and then they help the players that way. How do you like to incorporate film when you are um, talking about developing a player? Um,
1: I agree with the shorter is better. Um, Absolutely. Players just, uh, you don't have the the attention span (laughs) you know and and uh and i I just it's just kind of i you know there's you show them two or three clips four or five clips like that's all they need to see they don't need to see an hour of film to really understand um you know if i think the way technology is the way we you know can use it now is you know we can go back through and clip those four or five clips, send it to them in a, you know, text and they have it on their phone and they can watch it right, you know, pre-practice or post-game or whatever it is. And, you know, I just think, but having the visual component is so beneficial for players um, because everybody's, their learning's all different. You know, some players are very visual and they, you know, you can tell them that the help side was sitting in and, you know, plugging up the key and they were, you know, missing the weak side kick, but, they may not have any idea how that visually plays out, you know, they can't see it unless they actually see it. You know, they can't like visualize it. Like some players can be like, oh yeah, I remember when that happened. You know, I saw so-and-so was there and some players can't. And so I just think being able to show them that is really beneficial. And being able to stop it and then show them, you know, that's one way I That's the main reason, the way I do it with, do film with players is, you know, I'll have a clip and I'll stop the clip, you know, pre-decision and be like, okay, what now here you are and what are your options right now? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we play it out a little bit more. Okay, now what are your options? And then, you know, finish it. Okay, this is what you did. This is what might have been a better option or this is what you did, that was a great option um you know but I just think them seeing that process uh and being able to talk it out is really really helpful um and being again just because you know we have the resources this year and last year being at the division one level with technology the way it is and has advanced since we since you and I when you were first you and I were first talking it's not the same as the last time I was at division (laughs) one um you know and we have the the ability to really spend time doing that but you know I was also a division two and division three coach and I didn't have nearly as much of the resources and so you know we tried to do film as best we could but um you know if you don't always have it then it's just maybe you diagram stuff you know maybe you just get on a whiteboard um and that even that can help players visualize a little bit more if you don't have you know, resources to show them film or you just show them film of other players, you know, I'll send players of Luca and pick and roll and stuff like that. And just, you know, you can find that on YouTube, but just for for them to see how other players, you know, incorporate the skills that you're trying to work on.
0: Yeah, when, when when I played, I think I finished playing almost 20 years ago, we actually had Same here. We had a VCR tape. Stay so here. Uh, my coach, when I graduated, gave me uh, like three actual, and I still have them today, three VCR tapes of about, I probably have about 15 games from my senior year. So yeah. no, we actually had film. You had to rewind, yep. fast forward, you know, the whole nine. Yeah. Um, but there was a couple of things that, that you said, um, just when you're showing a player film, and you're able to stop it and get their feedback, you kind of get, and this is where we as coaches learn from the players, like what were you thinking in this particular moment? And not saying that in a way of like, what were you thinking? Like that was dumb, but tell me your thought process. What did you see? Because we can learn from those players in those particular moments. Um, They can tell us why they made the pass. They can tell us why they took that extra dribble then we can help give them explanation. And that also helps with their development, of course, like you were saying. So it's important to show them those clips, like you were saying, pausing it, getting their feedback, getting an understanding of what they were thinking, what was going through their head, what they saw. Because uh, the other night I was watching, um, uh, I think Kentucky was playing against Kansas. Okay. And Kylie Perry said on national TV, usually I'm not wrong, but when I go back and watch film, I sometimes see things from a, different, from a different perspective. So when we're on the bench or you're in the stands and you see the game and you see something and you're wondering why did they do that? But then when you're able to cut that up and get their explanation, you kind of understand, and then you can give them um, better explanation or understand of what they what they could have could have done. Now with me. Um, I don't, I don't really get the opportunity to break down film with players quite as much. Um, You know, I don't have access to, to the player's huddle account or anything like that. But one thing that I do though, is um, I like to use my phone and record the players when they're struggling with a particular skill. So at the gym I have, there's a TV and I have a, a Google Chromecast that I put up there and I just I just mirror what's on my phone up there and they can see it on a big 40-some inch TV screen. And so that allows them to look at themselves and say, hey, you know, I can show it in slow motion. This is what's going on with your shot or you're off balance or your dribble is up too high. Or if we're doing three on three, if I have a small group or a two-on-two, two, then I can show them those actual game segments in those small sided games. So uh, film is really good. I think any player or any coach should use film and players have to learn. I'm sure you've done this. They have to learn how to watch film. Right. So it's not just about your highlights. <laughs> the three pointers you hit or the crossover you, you had um, is actually understanding how to how to watch film and, and develop from that. So uh, coach, I appreciate you coming on here and, and, and giving us some knowledge. Um, do you have any any additional tips or information that you'd like to share with us before you go?
1: Um. Well, again, thank you for having me. And I, uh, you know, like I said, I I just, I'll go back to the very, very beginning and just kind of, you know, for coaches or player development or, you know, skills trainers or, like and players like just approach it as holistically um you know the technical the technical the technical the tactical um you know the psychological and even the physiological like you know i know again people have asked like how do you adapt in covid you know kind Mm -hmm. of thing like work on your movement skills you know, just work on, I mean, most players can't, don't move properly. So work on your movement skills or help players work on their balance and things like that. And, you know, try to be creative, try to embrace creativity and, um, and have fun. Like at the end of the day, it should all be fun. If it's not fun, you know, then we're, we're not doing the right things.
0: You're right. You're right. Oh, uh, I, I share that with players all the time. Like, look at the end of the day, you're playing the game.
1: Exactly. No,
0: don't put any added pressure on yourself. There's already enough pressure just to go out and perform to a certain level so your team can have the opportunity to win. Right. Don't put any added pressure on yourself to, to perform to a certain level. Um, so why don't you tell everybody how they can connect with you on social media um, and where they can find you on, on those sites?
1: Yeah, so, well, you can email me. Feel free to email me. My email is just at brfinch.davidson.edu, and it's on our website. Um, I'm on pretty big on Twitter I kind of use Twitter as my kind of professional platform so I try to tweet some good some good knowledge on there (laughs) Um, and it's just at WBB uh, coach Finch um, on Twitter and then same on Instagram. Um, Instagram I'm still working on my Instagram game is okay (laughs) not great but it's better um So, but again, uh, you know, I'm always happy to talk basketball and, you know, answer emails and, uh, you know, tweets and direct messages and stuff like that. So anything I can do to help. Well,
0: that's it for today's show. I appreciate everyone that tuned in. I hope you found it valuable and informative. If you like today's show, please share on social media and tag me. I can be found on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at nbn b-ball also be sure to subscribe on apple Podcasts and please give me a five star rating also be sure to check out my book the skill development playbook this book will help you understand how to get organized and know what real skill development is it can be found on my website by visiting tjonesfirm.com forward slash sdp hyphen book paperback is $9.99 the pdf version is $3.95 it's also going to be found on Amazon. Just search Skill Development Playbook and it should pop up. It's 9 dollars for the paperback or 3 dollars for the Kindle version. Now, if you need to contact me for anything skill development related, I can be reached by email at info at That's info at Again, I appreciate you for tuning in. Until next time.